0: Welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Tredray, along with Andrew Montesi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up too at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to a new year of the big deal. I'm Jack Hudson and join me as always is Port Adelaide legend Warren Tredge. Treders, happy new year, mate.
0: Happy new year to you, do they reckon the best year yet from the big deal.
1: Yes, We'd hope well, so
0: because it's only just started, has not it?
1: <laughs> well, you want to hope so. Well, what did you do for New Year's, mate? What did you get up to?
0: Nothing. Uh, no- family nothing. barbecue, <laughs> and I was a taxi picking oh, yes. up kids who are now venturing off into their own social life as their father' um, life is slowly wilting away from a social uh, ex- experience, <laughs> so to speak. That that was. Was the saddest New Year's story I've ever heard. No, it's brilliant. It's it's the perfect (laughs) New Year. I I actually quite. I was so proud of myself. At eleven thirty, I was sort of nodding off, and then the fireworks went off, and I thought I've made it. Every other year, the last four years, I haven't made it to midnight. Jeez. Yeah. So how good's that? Well, yeah. I was expecting the amount of driving I was doing. I was expecting to be breath tested about four or five times. It didn't happen. So there's also a positive.
1: (laughs) That's not too bad.
0: Not that I was drinking, but I thought that's where my life's headed.
1: Yeah, no, I uh, stayed up to watch um, our mob lose to form. So that was a great way to start 2024.
0: <laughs> oh, typical us, typical uh, gunners.
1: Very frustrating. But as we start the new year, obviously there's God knows how many days left in the year. So we're doing a bit of a few predictions on how we think things are going to happen. So we'll start at Fredders. I'll ask with a few predictions. So who will be Australia's most valuable sports team and why 2024?
0: Uh, she's, oh, I think it has to come from AFL. Um, mm, yep. Richmond West Coast calling them the three biggest clubs in terms of members and, and revenues. And I think you can't go past the reigning Premier. Um, yeah. Financials-wise, Jack, I think you're across it, made $6 bucks, something, yeah, like something like that.
1: $6 million, something like that. Say so, so,
0: well. so, so yeah. $7.5 million bucks. Well, a lot of that, not a lot of that, The gravy on top, maybe one and a half, two million will come from premiership merchandise. Let's face it, the merchandise when we won almost 20 years ago, 19 years ago, was um, t shirts with printed things on them, turned around in 48 hours, delivered 25 bucks a pop. Wash them once and they feel like cardboard. Now you can actually get regular polos printed, taking orders. I know a friend who's a mad Collingwood fan. Um, I think he spent a thousand bucks on stuff. He's a very big Collingwood fan and I think he did all right Mm. with uh, wagering. Uh, responsibly on Collingwood over the journey Um, and (laughs) the polos and quality of stuff he's had delivered as well. Wow. So the levels have seriously increased. So that is where the big cash is. And then also too, when you're a hundred thousand members, how much more can you need? Well, you probably have a lot more social members. Then you got the kickers too. So imagine the big sponsors of Collingwood, I think Emirates is still a sponsor. Uh, Nike's a sponsor. It would potentially cost them in bonuses that the club would have got or will get but in future years. So, uh, i think collingwood would be far and away the biggest club in australia right now for revenue brisbane broncos are probably the one in the nrl who is who is the one who is you know very financially viable uh, i think still owned um or well, the majority or minority by a uh, minor level by uh, news corporation so you yeah, know they they're probably the AFL's equivalent uh, nrls equivalent of the afl team collingwood
1: yeah, no, I'd probably agree with you on the pies. And yeah, that premiership merchandise certainly does spit out Like, I've still got plenty of 04 stuff. So unfortunately, I have to see your head
0: more days than I'd
1: like to. Oh, well. But you get that. Um, next one I've got for you. Who will be Australia's most mar- marketable athlete in 2024, both male and female?
0: Um, yeah, well, this is interesting. Olympic year, Paris. Mm. Um, so take away the Olympic year in terms of not Olympic, stepping aside from the Olympics. I think female-wise, Sam Kerr. Yep.
1: Um,
0: And then male-wise, I'm going one who's front and centre in arguably one of the biggest sports. Um, Drives for McLaren. Had a ripping first couple of years, uh, Oscar Piastri. So I think, yeah, I think if McLaren continue to improve, Mm-hmm. We've only had one real good year from McLaren, haven't they? From two cars uh, in the last 10, it feels like. So uh, I think young Melbourne-born Oscar Piastri might be the one who's going to really excite people. He's been driving phenomenally. I think was young driver of the year. So I think that's the case from non-Olympic teams. And then um, I think Elise Perry, uh, while well, she's not to the level of Sam Kerr, she's a superstar in terms of commercially. And then I've looked at sort of people like Kate Campbell who's won four Olympic, I think, gold medals. So if she's a big Olympics, that's her chance to cash in. You? Oh.
1: I'll stick with you, Sam Kerber. I think Ariane Titness as well, being Olympics. Year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolute marketing gold. And um, revival of the lifetime, Dante Exam.
0: Well, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, mm. What was he, Utah originally? Pick. Yep. Very early. Or six or nine or something, pretty early. It was definitely first round. Ne- knee recon, struggle for form opportunities, then went away and played, I reckon, in the Euro League with um, Barcelona. Yeah. Um, yep. dominated. Got a start now, um, and now he's in Dallas, and he's on fire, especially from three point land. And, yep. and when you've got a guy like Luka Doncic making plays, he's getting some looks because they're always going two to him, aren't they?
1: Hundred percent. So it's really cool seeing what he's done, like Mavs. So uh, yeah, Mark Cuban's boys. But yeah, no, um, yeah, I'd say him with Olympics year, sure. Uh most valuable sports event, and obviously we said the olympics and i think both of us can agree with that but a lot of sports business is a bit going on
0: yeah there's a bit and also too every year annually the biggest one is the super bowl on an annual basis and that'll be no different again they sell it off it's going to be huge um and the big one also too what's the most valuable event and where's the money and trends heading well saudi arabia continues to buy buy up everything yeah, you know I mean, um, those golf states, these oil state or countries, are, are the ones that are spending. We've seen the uh, Saudi soccer league go, go taking things by storm. They've golf take things by storm. Um, they're not going away anytime soon. So I think that'll be really interesting. But heading into this year, I think the probably the biggest challenge I think the sports business world will face will be the commercial dollar, and, oh. and I do think it'll tighten up. And I'm no financial advisor, but I do read a lot of stuff. You know, there's a lot of financial markets uncertainty when you look at what's going on. Everyone will go, well, share market record levels and gold prices are record levels and all those sorts of things. That's all true. But also we've printed more money than we ever have over the last few years with COVID, obviously, to get us out of that pickle. We look at there's world wars going on. China's economy, we read, is supposedly struggling. How that correlates to then sports rights values. We know AFL and RL. Uh, NRL is yet to, but the AFL is locked theirs in long term. Uh, we know the challenges with rugby union in Australia, uh, rugby league. They've got to go through theirs. Um, you know, you also look at the different challenges heading to tennis and sports like that around the world. You know, Saudi Arabia, as we said before, just getting back involved and how the media presents their product is really interesting for me because, mm. Uh, the longer it goes, it goes away from free to air. The numbers are, have always been that case have been in decline. There was a huge boost in COVID, obviously, from the news around the virus. Um, then you are getting a, a case of, okay, is it free to air or pay TV? They've both paid a fortune in the sport we love most, AFL. How does that then go to streaming? We've seen Netflix get involved in live golfing tournaments in Las Vegas. So they're dipping their toe in. We've seen Disney. We've seen ESPN do huge cuts, cutting half of their staff. Uh, because uh, uh, their owner Disney and parent company is starting to financially struggle a little bit. So I think it's going to be interesting. The ones that have got their commercial dollars and broadcast rights locked up um, will weather the storm better than the ones who don't. Um, and if you're a second tier sport and third tier sport and fourth tier sport, if we do have a bit of a financial you know, market check or collapse or whatever it is, or as we've seen back in 2008, it was a global financial crisis. I don't know, but it just says that a lot of the people are predicting that things will tighten up. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because cost of living, yes, face it, if you want to buy a house, it almost cost double what it was four years ago. So, you know, I think there needs to be some sort of check and maybe the world of sports is going to feel that a little bit as well. 100%.
1: And I think the domination of streaming services will continue, but we'll see. Amazon probably pick up more and, like, would we'll just be so much more of a reliance to have various different streaming services to watch all those different sports. Like, I think even soccer, we've got, say, for Arsenal, like, think we want to watch A-League as well, we've got to go Paramount, we've got to go Optus, and then we've got to go Stan Sport as well just to watch our yeah, all competitions. So, talk about first-world uh, problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, but, but I think that's a genuine... It comes into what I was talking about before, the, the tightening up of the commercial dollar. We know interest rates in Australia have, has risen from, what, 2% to about 7% or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, I'm just saying from people's home loans, So the, the costs of that are huge. And as you say, if you've got three, paying for three streaming services, what are they? Even if they're 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks, $30, $40 a month, that, that adds up. You know, I know Foxtel used to be the, the one-stop shop, and that's where you get Premier League rights. You get AFL, you then got cricket. Now, I paid for uh, Foxtel. Um, because mm. I, the bandwidth I've got in my house is C-R-A-P, um, even though the internet <laughs> provider says it's better than it is. Um, and then you go, I want to watch footy and cricket, so I pay for that. Um, but as we say, if the pressure on the dollar is going to be interesting. And, and from your perspective, though, do you think the product of streaming is good enough to really put extra pressure uh, on those types of markets? And in saying that, I know that Nine Network or nine no um, actually own Stan. But we talk about if Netflix gets involved, Stan started through sports getting involved, Paramount, Disney, like you, Amazon, you just keep going. Are we going to get a stage where you think in the not too distant future, any sports going to be streamed and that's where you'll get it on I,
1: I I think so, unfortunately. Because like, you know, the fun thing is like weird, the str- weird struggle is like you try to watch, like you're chatting with your mates, maybe on console or you're chatting on Zoom or you're chatting. You're all trying to sync up and watch it the yeah. same thing because someone's five seconds ahead of you. They start celebrating, then you get spoilers live. So that's the probably the main problem that I have with um, streaming services. But I'd say it's going to be more on that than there are on regular TV, that's for sure.
0: Well, you've just reminded me what happened on um, uh, when we were out for my uh, my father-in-law's seventieth birthday. We at the local Chinese... Um, Ming Palace, it's called in town in Adelaide, Rundle Street Chinese restaurant where the, oh, yeah. my wife's family had gone for thirty years or so, um, and there were three different mobile devices watching Seven Plus watching the Socceroos, uh, Socceroos. No, sorry, the uh, Matilda, shootout. Matilda shootout. <laughs> so yeah, all on different buffers. So <laughs> um, yeah, now I think that is interesting, and that and maybe that's another challenge going forward because. Um, yeah, the, the world of sport needs to broadcast. Um, we know eyeballs will tune in. And that was a great example of the Matilda's record numbers, the seven network. We talked back on what the deals of 2023, that would have to be the best deal around a few million bucks and we're getting five, five million people a night watching them play out of this world. So that's a challenge uh, heading forward.
1: Mm, not too bad, but I think that that's probably sums up our predictions. But even on the Super Bowl, it's like remarkable how people actually enjoy commercials as much as the action itself.
0: Yeah, but the, the, the beauty is, and that's why I think that that, that is you go a leaf to the book to go, yeah, okay, how do we make that more permanent? Because you remember, you know, you could, as a kid, and I could do it now, but I'm not going to, it could be quite embarrassing, but you could reel <laughs> off about 30 different ads. Oh, yeah. Know? Don't know me. I know boats. King G work there. You're probably a bit young for that. And the bloke, jumps. you're
1: saying words.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, Solo, the first crusher, going back many years ago. And yep. Um, see, I'm a bit older than you, mate. I remember when they used to have Alpine Smokes ads on these oh, beautiful geez. women sitting there smoking Alpine Smokes in some Queensland beach, secluded beach. Um, <laughs> things have changed, but I think that gets you to a stage where you talk about the um, the ads. The reason why we like the ads for the Super Bowl—it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And what's next? Yeah, you know, when when they're paying, yeah, you know, we'll get those prices when the Super Bowl comes out—five mm. million bucks for thirty seconds or something ridiculous. It, it it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, that makes it because some of the stuff you see on TV, geez, they're horrendous. Oh, it's maybe that's what they're after.
1: Oh, I still remember, like, um, you'd have like, the kids reading helpline. You'd have um, Blue Mobile, like 13, yeah. 13, 32. Like, all what that about Marshall?
0: Remember Marshall Batteries? Yes. Um, Got a holler of Marshall, and every time that car was nearly going to get cleaned up by the train. Always stop on a train line. Couldn't you yeah. push it a bit further?
1: <laughs> Working with um, the 36s, uh, Dale Fletcher and I, we came up with the idea for Nick Marshall's contract extension to use that as a social media post. So, uh.
0: we're,
1: we're very smart.
0: Very smart. That stuff. Well, speaking but, of very smart, we've seen a big retirement, haven't we, in the cricket world. Yes. Dave Warner um, currently playing um, mm. his final test uh, at the SCG. Yep. But the farewell um, tour continues, um, mm. which would set him up quite well because not only are we expecting him to front the press conference and people talk about sandpaper Papagate, he threw in the fact that, yes, I'm retiring from ODI cricket, the 50-over format obviously after the World Cup win only a couple of months ago. Um, But effectively, he said, well, I'm open to T20 down the future and future uh, World Cups. (laughs) What he's effectively said is, hey, guys, I'm a gun for hire. So English Premier League, he's been playing there for years. Um, Big Bash, Major League Cricket is the big one in the US. The 100, um, which is the 100 ball version in the UK. They've also got a T20 in the UK. Pakistan's got one. Uh, South Africa's got one. We'll get to that pretty soon. So mm. all of a sudden, um, he's a gun for hire. And and we've always flagged, and I think I flagged it on this um podcast a few months ago, is that I think we'll get to a stage where uh, Dave Warner might get 10 million bucks a year or five million bucks a year and go, okay, you represent a group, mm. say Sun or whoever it is, who owns a team in Australia. They don't do that, it's not private ownership yet. Um in Pakistan's league, in England's league, in the US league. So all you are doing is playing for a franchise, very much like the City group uh, we've yes. seen um, with uh, Manchester City, Melbourne City, uh, Yokohama FC. There's a few, whereas multiple owners. So, hmm. um, yeah, I think it's we're going to see him more uh, involved in those things and a gun for high, and I think it's only good. Um, yeah, you. he's not young anymore. Like, he's played test cricket for a long, long time, over 100 tests. He's been a super player scored, I think, about 20 hundreds. Um, And even in in these final few days as a a test cricketer, he couldn't evade, I don't know, some more scrutiny because (laughs) he lost a bag on a flight in Qantas and he got a really interesting take because he was asking people, if you've seen it, let me know. This is what it looks like. And one who replied...
1: This this may be this is gonna be hard to beat as the best thing in 2024. But Chappelle Colby replies with Qantas. Boy, do I have a story for you! <laughs> <laughs> that is just that's yeah. top tier stuff. It wasn't
0: hand luggage; it was a backpack, and I think didn't it have four kilos of marijuana?
1: Yeah, something like that. Wow! <laughs> but it was a
0: you talk about internet trolling. that was a pretty good one.
1: Yeah, he lost a baggy green. She lost a green baggy.
0: Yeah, a big green baggie. <laughs>
1: big green baggie.
0: Well, someone now, who's going to bag it, don't worry, is Mitch Marsh, guys. <laughs> Mitch Marsh, um, yep. Yeah, this is a guy that, you know, effectively selectors contemplate on giving him the out of there. You know, we saw Cam Green from Perth, fellow uh, teammate over in Western Australia, mm. really dominated. I think he got $3.4 million for the IPL two years ago. You know, he went to the ashes, his form was poor, he got dropped. Mitch Marsh comes in, and since then, he's I think he's averaged 67 in five tests since being recalled. Heartbreakingly fell short on the Boxing Day test for making a ton, but because he's playing in those multiple formats, and as we've said, we you know, he, you know, his leadership, too, of the um, the the less formats um, in Australia in terms of less, not test format, obviously. But they're saying because of his positioning and the way he's played and the positioning of the current contract list, we go to the Australian contracting list now and they're saying that he could finish anywhere between five and 10 on the list. A major bump of, they're saying, between 500,000 and 800,000 per year if his form (laughs) continues. So Uh, for a bloke who is looking like, oh, he's 30 years of age, he's missed his opportunities at test level and international level, in the space of six months, he's turned around his whole career. And how often do we see it? A bloke like Labashane was previous um, Ashes. Remember when mm-hmm. Steve Smith got uh, concussed and wasn't able to play, and I thought this guy, oh, he's making runs in uh, low-key county cricket, playing for Northamptonshire or someone like that. All of a sudden, now becomes a Test mainstay. This is exactly what's happened. But it's probably third time around for Mitch Marsh. It's great news. Yeah.
1: You remember like how slated he was for so long? Like he was, he was never the most hated.
0: Now they sure. love him because he's the bison. Yep. <laughs> it's an amazing bit of you know good form, a couple oh. of smiley interviews, really empathetic interviews, say, I know people didn't like me and people hated me and rah, rah, rah. All of a sudden, he's having a crack and he's saved us and played really, really well. Um, we're in a situation where um, you know, he's... His career continues on and he's not super old. So it's not like, oh, well, it's his last roll of the dice at 37 years of age. Mm. So he could make his mark. And, and, and effectively, you remember what Pat Cummins, I think it was about six years between his debut first test and his second test. In his first test, he dominated and took maybe 10th, yeah. definitely a 5th, but over in South Africa. Well, who's to say this guy who also struggled with back problems was super quick? I used to say that he can't hang around for three or four more years and play really well and be the uh, a key mainstay, hopefully, that our boy, Travis Head, might take over as captain down the track. And mm. in the years that Warner and Smith and Kowaja and these types of guys um, move on, because it's not a young Australian cricket team. Usman no. Kawaja is the only one under 30. Travis Head turned 30 last week. Usman oh. Khawaja, not, oh. not Usman Khawaja, sorry. Um, uh, Manus Lavishan is the only one under 30. So... I'm, I'm,
1: oh. I didn't need to hear that about Trav. He was in the year above me at school.
0: <laughs> he just turned 30. So, yeah. yeah. So, everyone else in that team is, um, yeah, apart from Labashain, it's 30 and older.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Well, we've got, we got a decent next generation coming through. So, But how's this situation in South Africa? You mentioned this before. So, only two of the players that were involved in their test with over India are in a 14-man squad, to test in New Zealand. How can this happen? Oh, uh, it's this is ridiculous. And, and you know, the,
0: when you beat India, you go, Wow, that's pretty cool. But as you said, those two players, Keegan uh, Peterson and David Bedingham, remain from the innings wing against India at Centurion. But Judith's mm. ruling by Cricket South, South Africa, they're pretty much saying that no players contracted to the franchises, right, in the South African T20 comp, even though it overlaps the test, are eligible wow. to play. So because they're contracted to, South Africa T20, they can't play in the test match. That's crazy. No, this is ridiculous. And I get it from their perspective because South Africa doesn't bankroll the money like Australia does or England does in cricket or Mm. India does, right? So they're, Mm. they're a struggling nation in terms of creating the revenues. They're solid, but they're never going to be in the top tier. So what they're trying to do is protect their earnings. And by doing that, you're attracting a younger audience, men and women, kids, older, younger, to a t20 south african 20 right but test matches have always got to take precedence in this situation and if you know the icc is going to roll out the fact that you've got uh, this situation you need to do it Mm. and plan accordingly
1: yeah
0: so i get that hurts your your home attendance and your home records but there's got to be a better way than that because simply just selling out to the dollar i know why they're doing it but it just doesn't look good and you speak to any international cricketer, Tests have to, have to take priority because we've seen it. We've seen you know, Chris Gale lead before his time as the West Indies. He goes and plays T20, makes a fortune and, and does that. But West Indies cricket struggles. Mm. You know, there's numerous instances of that. I like what Dave Warner's done. When his time's done, he's then gone off and been a gun for hire, not yeah. before his time. Like even the fact that Quinton DeCock is 31, he dominated the World Cup, He's now stepped away two years ago from playing, right? 29 years of age of stepping away from playing for his country because That's probably wild. financially it's better off elsewhere or he's had enough. Like, we've got to encourage him to play as long as they can, particularly in the in the, the five-day format because Tess needs to always survive.
1: It's going to be the way it goes, unfortunately, because shorter attention spans. But I agree that Tess should always take precedence. But was it a two-test, two-test series in New Zealand?
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: What, what's the point of that?
0: Well, that's the same as what we're facing after this test. We have three against Pakistan and we've got two against West Indies. You have oh. to play at least two to be an official series. That's what they do. What do you play?
1: Well, I don't get the point of playing two. You win one agent to a tie and that's it.
0: Yeah, and whoever whoever's won the previous series retains it. That's how it works. So, you know, you remember those tests. You go back five, six, seven, ten years ago, maybe even longer, where Australia replaced someone in Darwin. You You had to play those minimum in certain times. And understandably, from Cricket Australia's perspective, you don't want to play a Zimbabwe at the time or uh, one of those lesser Bangladesh or whatever Afghanistan nations in your five-day, your five-test series in your summer. Um, You want to play it out of of, um, Broadway, so to speak.
1: Yeah, you will. Well, bizarre situation. How's
0: this situation,
1: though, Treaders? It's uh, livening up rugby league land. Um, Jerome Lewey, Um Panthers have chosen to waive their 10-day call, right? And um, you'll be joining West Tigers in 2025, it
0: seems. Yeah, well, we've talked about it for a long time, haven't we, But We're yes. wa- waiting for it to be officially approved. And obviously, it can't be officially approved until it's signed, sealed, and delivered, and released, and head office has agreed to it. So this is as good as done now because, uh, Lawai, as you said, uh, West Tigers offer a five-year, $6 million deal, 1.2 a year. Big money, the three times reigning premiers, if there is such a thing, three time premiers, who are reigning. Uh, the Panthers, Penrith, can't get near it. You know they're offering out eight hundred and thirty grand a year. I think it was a three year deal, two and a half, two and a half mil. So he's obviously taken the opportunity to go to the bottom team for the last two years and cash up. And um, all the while he's uh, recovering from a shoulder reconstruction. So as you say, there was a ten day cooling off, right? So they had the opportunity to try and. Uh, try and match the deal, hasn't happened, and um, it goes from there.
1: Yeah, it was a significant difference in offer five years, six million dollars, and three year, 2.5. Yeah, it's a big difference,
0: and, and that's a reality too. Because if you're the top team like they have been, Penrith, and they've got you speak to anyone in rugby league land, and we've had interesting chats on this um, this situation on this podcast early days, is that you know, the Melbourne Storm would love to go, Hey, let's do a draft, right? Mm. But Penrith Panthers won't because Penrith Panthers are known to have the best junior development program, hence why they get the best young talent in the country. Yep. So Bronco's really good like that too. But, you know, some of your weaker clubs or interstate clubs, so to speak, aren't the ones that have it. So, you know, Panthers knew that they've got superstar players on every line, um, Nathan Cleary being their main man. But when you leave lose one of their main mans in Jerome Lawai, it's because the salary cap can fit only so many players. And it happens to every premiership team. You take less to stay and at some stage you're going to lose guys because you need to, as much as this might hurt Penrith in the short term, there'll be another opportunity for a youngster, a talented youngster to get in there to then start to build his career. And who knows, they might be better.
1: Mm, Good systems, always have people that can do a different role.
0: Yeah. That's
1: for sure. Um, In the NBA world, um, well, NBL, NBA, Australia, basketball. Basketball. (laughs) Basketball. Summed that up very well. Yeah. Trevor Gleason's off to the Bucks um, as an assistant coach with Adrian Griffin's staff. So um, takes so he's off. worked he,
0: he's worked with Griffin before, didn't he? At the, yes. Ra- the Raptors, yeah, yeah. And they obviously had a assistant coach move on, and we were sitting, waiting, wondering because we'd seen them. Um, Uh, Gleeson commentating on ESPN, the uh, basketball coverage here. And he does a great job at that. But you just knew that a senior coach like him was going to return to the ranks. And even some people were linking um, he with the Adelaide 36ers and Illawarra's um, vacancies as senior coach. Obviously both got um, caretakers in at the moment. Um, And one was uh, Tatum's uh, old man at Illawarra and uh, Scotty Ninnis at uh, the Sixers. So you wonder where that goes to, but it's funny uh, now that he's off to the NBA land, um, and I reckon assistants up there can earn a million bucks a year, US. That's not bad. Not the yeah. main man. Big, big bucks, big bucks. Um, and, like, we talk about current Boomers coach and, and you know, superstar, mm-hmm. you know, be a, probably is a Hall of Fame NBL coach, Brian Gorgian has also flagged that post the Olympics in Paris, he's interested in returning to coaching full-time. So, as we said before, if you're Adelaide or Illawarra who have vacancies right now, uh, as I said, uh, Justin Tatum and Scott Ninnis. Are you picking up the phone and asking the question? Because I certainly would be.
1: Mm, You've got to ask the question. Yeah, got to ask the question. Like his, his reputation, he's since, well since he's been coaching. Since I think his worst finish was like 1989. He's finished top four <laughs> ever
0: since then. Yeah, and, and even at the Hawks, what he coach in the yeah. COVID years, almost wasn't it? 2020, 21, 22. Yep, finished third. Yeah, so it just proves it. And then you've got some other teams too, and you follow this basketball. I follow basketball as a fan, but I'm not every instance into Mm. nitty-gritty. But Sydney's been a great team, but they're not setting the world on fire. Southeast Melbourne, uh, Mm. Mike Kelly comes in um, as coach. They're not sort of setting the world on fire, and and they're really ambitious clubs too. So who's to say that um, they're not actually sitting and knocking the door down and going, hey, we'll have a chat to you.
1: Or well, considering Gorgian won titles with the Kings and with Southeast Melbourne when they were the Magic. Yeah. Oh, got to ask the question. Well, funny. it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. He
0: certainly has flagged this for a reason. Yeah. He, because he he got, he's the coach that got us a medal at the, the last Olympics. Mm. Isn't he? We got a bit. bronze medal. It never happened before. So he's Smart. the calibers and, and branding and performance is pretty high.
1: It's a bidding war now. That's, that's what he's probably yeah. hoping for and fair play to it. Oh, Speaking of management, it's Harry Kill. He has taken on the Australian pathway of succeeding Kevin Musket, Yoga Harm F. Marinos. Um, yeah, after another ex-Ange protege sort of taken by that Melbourne victory well, sort well, of train keeps going through.
0: Yeah, Ange hands it to Musket, who now is handing it to Harry Kill. Mm. And uh, John Hutchings, Hutchinson is uh, the assistant coach who was coaching the J-League himself, but is was under... Had anchor well, he was under um, he was at Celtic with Anch only 12 months ago, so mm. um, so yeah, the backroom staff effectively stayed at Celtic, um, yep. and now they've moved on to uh, greener pastures, so to speak. So, um, Foster Coggle and both won the uh, J1 league in their tenures, um, yeah, and uh, all of a sudden he's going to get his, his crack at it because I know Kiel started really good early days. Yeah, Crawley Town. Yep. Yeah, Crawley Town. But then Notts County, Oldham Athletic, and Barnet um,
1: didn't Not quite.
0: Good. Yeah, didn't quite cut the mustard. So it's getting opportunities, but like anything at that level, now if you're going to second division and first division, you'd want to have some checkbook, and you also want to be uh, have a decent roster to play because it'll be pretty difficult. But he won't have those troubles um, in Japan because, as you say, uh, Yokohama's Mariners are, are a serious team. Yeah. Yeah. But it hasn't worked out well for another star. And people always talk about whether a star player can turn out to be a great manager or a coach. And mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney, um, Manchester United and Everton, and mm-hmm. England legend, has been sacked as manager of Birmingham City after a torrid 15 games in charge. Well, this was after he was put into the, the job, right? This is he an walked all-time cock-up. Yeah. I he walked into the job in sixth place. Right, yep. So they're in a position if they hold their place, they'll go into a player for promotion. So you go, it's pretty well. So they bring in Wayne Rooney and go, okay, what can we hope for now? Let's move up the ladder. No, they went the other way. They only won two of their next 15 and now sit in 20th place. His record, 15 matches, two wins, four draws, nine losses. Is
1: one of the stupider things I've seen a professional club too, because John Eustace was the manager beforehand doing a Very good job, and
0: They got seduced by star power, didn't they?
1: Oh, 100% they got seduced by star power. Because he was
0: managing DC United by memory, wasn't it? He was,
1: after Derby County, yep, in the MLS.
0: Yeah, in the MLS. And they weren't going that well. No. So, and it's funny, they've already, as soon as he's been marched, they're already going, where else could he go? I saw an article that said England. Vote most unlikely England. Most unlikely, man, you, yeah. But the one they did say was Salford City. is He could be mooted as Ooh. the next possible move. Yeah, owned I by the... Know yeah. Why, though? Yeah. Because half his mates... The jobs for the boys. <laughs> own it. Yeah. <laughs> Nicky Butt, David Beckham, Paul Skulls, Ryan Giggs, and Gary and Phil Neville own the joint. So, um, don't rule that one out.
1: Yeah, Salford like City in, would
0: make sense. Looks like Inter Milan's in some pain, too.
1: Oh, this this is sad now. Like So, Inter Milan, they're currently leading... Serie A and they also qualify for the knockout stages of the Champions League but on the certain they could be bankrupt. Oh. yeah, this what
0: is a, this? this is a real challenge, isn't it? Because you know it's, the media's pretty much revealed that their 10 board members normally get an- annual compensation. So they're paying their board members, which is interesting. Um, they got less <laughs> money than they've got in previous years. Uh, the Chinese based parent company Suning Group um yep. They own the Italian giants. They're facing massive uh, financial difficulties off the back of obviously a reduced China exposure financially, and their markets and shareholdings over there are struggling. Their businesses, so and they're saying that's why the reason why Antonio Conte uh, had left, why key players like Romelu Lukaku um, had to leave the club. Mm. The other thing too is their current owners, which is Stephen Zhang, from the uh, he's the son of the Suning group chairman right yep. we talk about the chinese company which distributes home appliances they own 70% of the club's shares right the problem is the chinese economy is faltering and there's a real squeeze on so they actually attempted to sell the club in the last year but the oh. difference between the epl and spain's la liga those clubs make a lot more money than serie a but it's oh. funny how it's changed over the last 20 years when i first started following soccer Syria was where it's at. They made the most money of any clubs worldwide. English Premier League through the Barclays Premier League promoted it really well. Match of the round, uh, weekly wraps on Fox. It was at the time. It then went stratospheric. So the interest in the Chinese uh, sale or the sale for the Chinese um, owners here was low simply because they don't make enough money. Um, so the current debt for the club stands at $898 million. Oh. It's ugly, right? But this time last year it was actually $980. So you go, well, it's in a better space. But you break down and have a look at that even further. It's due to sales of Marcelo uh, Brozanovic to uh, Saudi Arabia. And also, and that was for $20 million, yeah. uh, is it Andre Onana. Onana. Who was the, the goalkeeper for Manchester United. And he was sold for $57 million. So... You know, there's your, yeah, there's 77 million bucks, which has helped bring down the debt level. So um, that's a challenge facing a lot of clubs out of Broadway. When I say Broadway, your big clubs in Spain, particularly the top two or three, uh-huh. Atletico, Barcelona um, and Real Madrid, and then anyone in probably in the top six in the English Premier League. The, the TV money and distribution money is huge. And you know, this case, into come in, flying. The Chinese economy was flying, into was flying. Everything was going really well. They were spending really, really big. Now it's biting them on the other way because the owners are starting to feel the squeeze.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a bloody sad situation to see with Inter Milan. Life. Yeah. Proud club, very good club.
0: Someone will rescue it. It'll just be what the price is or, or whether it gets a forced sale and the banks go, hey, this is what it's sold for. So the club will still be there. Um, but in the meantime, with the uncertainty, would would restrict their spending, which is obviously going to hurt them on field. But clearly, it's not happening at the moment.
1: Yeah, they've got decent young talent coming through, but remains to be seen how well it can go. But how's this in the MLS? Lionel Messi, we love talking about Messi. Um, so he's a rival. Messi
0: watch. We should call this
1: Messi watch. We should do yes, yeah, great idea. Segment each week on Lionel Messi, what he's doing. So he's got a property now in Fort Lauderdale. Yep. Um, 8.4 million pounds it's worth in
0: Miami living yeah. the dream, eh? No
1: worries. Yep. Um, one of those is an entrepreneur and podcast podcaster, Patrick David. Who um... this
0: bloke is huge, he's really, really good. He takes up the narrative on a lot of financial stuff, he gets in political stuff, he now's got involved in sport. Right. Well, I can't believe this! This is unbelievable.
1: So, he has yeah, combined over 1 billion views on his YouTube two YouTube channels, but he's told. Mad TV, he said, so far right now, according to today's climate, he's already made $25 million US on the equity of the house he owns, just because Messi lives next door.
0: and because People want to live next to him. Yeah, and this is what, if you've been to America and you've gone to various places, I remember, I haven't been to um, down that way, down to Florida, um, but uh, you know, Las Vegas years ago I went to visit someone on you over there, and you're going, What's going on here? And there's an arm like, Well, no, these are gated communities. Oh, and that's what it is. And this is what we're talking about super safe, very protected. And he's saying, God willing, hopefully it still is. But he said, Now that Messi's there, everyone keeps coming past in their boats and stops out <laughs> the front and looks at the house. So he's effectively on the marina, right? Yeah. Pimped out joint, covered by water, super secure. But because Messi's there, everyone wants to buy where Messi is. <laughs>
1: Geez. Imagine that just it'd be like everyone rocking up in their boats. It'd be like that um Suez Canal situation with the big boat just clogs it up with that giant ship, no one can get out.
0: Oh yeah. Evergreen, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. Very funny all those years yeah.
0: ago. Oh wow. Probably wasn't if you were waiting for a delivery.
1: No, very much no. You're a bloke Jason who's Day. waiting
0: for a delivery. Yeah. How how yeah. was it? He's left Nike. Jason mm-hmm. Day's left Nike and he signed with Korean streetwear brand. Melbourne, I think that's how you say it. And then oh. Melbourne have started their own golf. So this is a streetwear company. You imagine clothing. Remember when Tiger Woods was first with Nike, everything was loose clothing? Yep. Loose pants, loose clothing. Then it went to ripped. These yep. guys are going back to your loose sort of streetwear fashion stuff. Good. So, <laughs> And it, while we're speaking, Tiger, there's rumours his deal with Nike's coming to an end, yep. right? So if we remember back when Jason Day signed with Nike, there were word around that it was about a hundred million dollar deal. He left rival Adidas, who he'd been with for 10 years. So obviously he's had seven years now with Nike and that has ended. So 2017 he signs with Nike for about hundred mil. Since then, he hasn't the sponsorship didn't really bear too much fruit for Nike because we know that he had some personal challenges. He was at around about world number one. He just won his first major. Things were going really well. Obviously, he fell away, his form fell away. In that time, he only won three tournaments. One, which, which obviously his last outing, I think, a couple of weeks ago in a pairs tournament, mm-hmm. uh, men and women. And he yeah. won that just before Christmas. So he's jumped ship. And it's interesting. What it does highlight again is that Nike, who was a big, 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 big player in the world of golf um, apparel, mm-hmm. it looks like they're pulling out. And they're pulling out subtly once all their deals are done. Jeez.
1: what, a, what? Melbourne. That's how um, the Victorians pronounce Melbourne.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's a nice segue into the weird sports tr- stories.
0: Always struggle with that one. That like Melbourne. every E's and A. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: Jesus. Weird sports stories. We love this. I love this. But um, so Brisbane International tennis competition. Um, there was a snake, which typical Queensland. Um, but yeah. Um. Dominic Team's Brisbane International qualifying match against Australian James McCabe was suspended for 40 minutes after a 50 centimeter Eastern brown snake slithered the court side. I tell you what, that would make me absolutely myself.
0: Yeah, well, I've done a little bit of homework on this one for you, Hutto, because oh, yes. you know, got on Wikipedia, and you can't always trust Wikipedia because it's sort mm. of some people with genuine info share it, and other people give you a bum steer. Yeah, is brown snakes. Eastern mm. brown snakes, areas. there's brown snakes and eastern brown snakes. Eastern brown snakes are responsible for more deaths from snake bites in Australia than any other species. So if that's on a tennis court, and to understand where this was, mm. this was like the wiring electric cables from the broadcaster and also the lead LED signage. So it was actually ah. below the seating, right? So the seats were behind, and then there's all the signage in front, and that's exactly where they found it. So McCabe had just wrapped up the first set six two. Against the uh, 2020 US Open champion when the reptile was spotted, 40 minute delay. Uh, snake catcher arrives, uh, <laughs> managed to tease the deadly animal into the bag and got a uh, standing ovation, and they're out of there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: what, uh, what, what would you have done if a snake rolled onto a footy field where he, when you were playing?
0: Well, the difference he's got is, guys, you've got a tennis rack. At least you can crack it. Yeah. Just give well, me the, the th- Sharon. Give me the Sharon. A- this is what I was thinking in the story. You talked about a footy oval. You go, well, what's the likelihood that when I played at West Lakes, the snake could go? They don't like noise, so that's nope. a starter. That's why they don't like vibration. That's what you get from a tennis court, particularly rebound ace. Mm. They do like heat.
1: Yep. Well, that's Queensland just as a whole.
0: Yeah, but it just baffles me. It's not like the stadium's in the middle of a bloody rainforest. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: no snakes are rocking up weird spots in Queensland. Yeah. yeah. Have you been watching the darts? No. <laughs> like, it's, it's a great Australian. So. Have you been watching the darts? Like, no. Just what's going on? But no. So 16-year-old is one win away from becoming the world champion.
0: Who is it? Six,
1: his name is Luke Liddler. He's a Pommy fella. Yeah. Um, As but is he, always. Yep. Pommies reaches...
0: must must grow up in pubs.
1: Oh, yeah. They have to. <laughs> have <laughs> to.
0: Like a good life. Yeah. yeah. Fish, fish and
1: chips and, and just darts. darts. Yeah. <laughs> depends what kind of darts you're talking about. But they reached the final with a, he reached the final with a 6-2 thrashing of Rob Cross, who only the night before came back from... it was 4-0 down and came yeah. back to win 5-4, which was one of the most extraordinary matches seen in the history of the sport. So he's only he's 19 days shy of his 17th birthday, and if he wins, he pockets a cool 500,000 pounds.
0: 500 quid?
1: That's 16-year-old.
0: 500 quid.
1: But he's yeah, the youngest player to reach the final of the championships. And um, pretty sure um, Van Gogh was the previous youngest winner at 24. So he's got eight years to catch that, but he's got a decent old start of him. But
0: so yeah, you said 500,000. Yeah, so it'd be close to what? 950? 933 Aussie dollars, 1,000. 933. Unbelievable. Oh
1: as a 16 year old can't spend it on anything too extravagant yeah, mum you. and
0: dad are get you to help pay the mortgage the current interest rate surely <laughs> but good on him good on him we, yeah, I, I love it when young talent no matter what sport comes through you, know, yeah. you just assume like I remember with the tennis Oh, when Rafa and Djokovic and you know Federer now go who else is there oh yeah there's the sinners coming along Alcatraz is pretty good it turns over pretty quickly doesn't it
1: Yeah, you wonder who the next great's going to come and who your hero's going to be, and then it just happens. You don't even know how good it happens. But that's all from us this week, so Happy New Year. Welcome into 2024, and like subscribe to all that jazz, and um, see you next week. Done.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go... Don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news, as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.